It also takes a public-private partnership. And for us to be able to continue the culture change that we've made across our sectors and many other sectors that have been involved in the work that we've done, uh, we have terrific improvements in terms of processes and how we work together. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. Before we get started, I want to let you know that registration for EEI 2023 is open. This year's Thought Leadership Forum promises to be a fitting celebration for EEI's 90th anniversary. Join industry and government leaders, technology innovators and partners, regulators, and other stakeholders as we showcase the actions and leadership of America's electric companies to deliver resilient clean energy across our economy. You can visit eei.org for more information and to register. America's electric companies are working together to identify opportunities to enhance mitigation, detection, and response capabilities as part of their wildfire mitigation strategies. The industry also has been focused on building trusted relationships with partners across the federal government who have key roles to play in our collective wildfire mitigation efforts. On today's episode, we are fortunate to be joined by two executives leading these efforts, U.S. Forest Service Chief Randy Moore and EEI Vice Chair Maria Pope, who is President and CEO of Portland General Electric in Oregon. Maria also co-chairs EEI's Wildfire CEO Task Force and the Electricity Subsector Coordinating Council's Wildfire Working Group. Maria and Chief Moore, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I know the demands on your schedules as executives are intense, so enhancing industry government coordination on wildfires must truly be a high priority for you to, to convene so often and really to be spending this time with us today. Clearly, wildfire is an extraordinary threat across the West, but in particular to the electric system, um, and couldn't be more pleased to have U.S. Forest Service Chief Randy Moore here. His leadership has truly been extraordinary. Maria, thank you for those kind words, and Brian, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this, what I consider to be a significant shift, um, in the, particularly in the West. But you know, as Chief of the Forest Service, I'm looking at the entire country, and when I look at what's taking place across the country, we had 10 million acres to burn last year, and that's almost averaging, not to mention the billions of dollars that we spend on suppressing these wildfires. Now, if you just focus on the West, by large, these are fire-adapted ecosystems, and so fire has created them, and fire is needed to maintain them. But what has happened over the last hundred years, you know, we've got a steady creep in climate change, higher temperatures. Uh, we have also had over a hundred years now of aggressively uh, suppressing wildfires in a fire adapted environment. Uh, and then we've had an explosion of homes being built into the wildland urban interface. And when you look at all of those different individual pieces, it is a perfect recipe for the disaster that we're facing today. And so as we talk about trying to make a difference on the landscape, it's not just about the communities, but it's about the critical infrastructure that communities depend on. And so we are really uh, happy that Maria and just the whole industry is interested in collaborating with us 
And we want to be good neighbors. We want to eliminate some of the hazards out there. And I think together, we stand a much better chance of doing it together than trying to individually approach this issue. And Maria, although wildfire season officially kicks off in May, we know and we have seen really that wildfires can occur throughout the year. So can you discuss a little bit of the mitigation work that PGE is undertaking to mitigate wildfires? And are those efforts that are ramping up as the season gets underway or are those things that really are happening all year round? We're looking at prevention and mitigation. We're looking at detection and we're looking at response. And in each one of those areas, we're working closely with the Forest Service and with first responders at the local and state level, all the way up through the federal level. Because as you know, public safety is our number one priority. And it includes investments that take place uh, 12 months a year in terms of smarter designs and infrastructure uh, throughout the utility network. We're upgrading equipment, we're upgrading our lines, we're upgrading everything that we do in terms of our practices. Um, we're also using advanced technologies, uh, in particular weather detection and monitoring systems, a lot of cameras as well, uh, that will have enormous ability to be able to see any early sparking of a wildfire, as well as uh, to set us up better for response. And are there any particular technologies that, that you or other in the industry or across the government have been focused on that really are helping to mitigate some of these risks? You know, we've deployed technologies at a totally different scale in the utility industry to address the threat of wildfire. Everything from fire-resistant uh, poles to covered conductor to how we're operating our substations and to technologies that help us with advanced weather monitoring, as well as advanced cameras for early detection and really pinpointing where there could be risk. Maria, but I, I do think you hit on something really important there, you know, particularly using the cameras across the system. You know, we had um, deployed that as kind of an experiment as well, particularly along Lake Tahoe area there, you know, because in the, in the, the traditional old way, we would uh, look at that was through some of our fire towers that are located out in the middle of nowhere. And now between the use of satellites and the uh, elaborate kind of a camera system, we're able to detect smoke at a much quicker rate. So I commend you all for that, as well as I've seen where some of your partners have been using the drones to do line monitoring, which I also would applaud you all for as well. I think looking at that kind of technology has really stimulated a desire for us to really jump into that arena as well. And so whether you know this or not, y'all have been kind of a learning lab for us in many ways. And so we really appreciate how you are approaching technology to do some of the things that we have been doing traditionally different. Chief Moore, when we talk about wildfire mitigation from your vantage point, are we talking about policies or are you and your team also focused on some of the technologies that are being utilized to mitigate the risk? Mitigating wildfire is really a, a multifaceted approach. It is about policy. It's about process. And it's also about partnerships to help us ensure that we have access to the necessary resources and that we can work with people that we need to. And it is our belief that we can do all of this efficiently and effectively. You know, it's about making sure that we have the pay and incentive to recruit and retain a skilled workforce that feels valued and appreciated. It's also about all the tools in our toolbox, prescribed burning, mechanical thinning, harvesting, emergency authorities, new technologies to reduce fuel loads. I mentioned earlier, it's also about protecting communities and the critical infrastructure that those communities depend on. And then lastly, I would say that it's really about promoting 
resilient ecosystems. And we heard from Maria about what electric companies like PG are doing to prepare for wildfires. What does prevention and mitigation work look like right now for your team at the Forest Service? And are you also working with with federal partners as we get into the season? Right now, we're really focused on implementing the wildfire crisis strategy. And thanks to a historic level of funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law, as well as the Inflation Reduction Act, we now have the ability to strategically increase the pace and scale of our treatments. And really, you know, I say that's important because the scale and the pace of the wildfires now are far exceeding the pace and scale that we're accustomed to doing restoration work. We are also looking at uh, working collaboratively with industry, you know, to find new ways to deliver on small diameter woods, you know, wood innovations, putting innovation techniques into the system. Traditionally, we look at what we consider to be commercial grade timber and lumber. And what we have out there now that is serving as kindling for fire is small diameter, low value material. And we can't take the traditional infrastructure that's out there to really get at utilizing the material that we need as we go about implementing the 10-year strategy. And so we're looking at what innovations, I think, could have tuned about a million dollars that we want to invest into the uh, wood uh, community to help retrofit some of our old facilities, but also bring in uh, new technology like uh, biochar, uh, cross-laminated timber, some of those things that can be made uh, from low-value, small diameter woods. You know, we can't remove and process the level of hazardous fuels we need out there and prevent wildfires if we don't have a strong wood products industry. And Maria, what are some of the key issues that you all are looking at to kind of help accelerate this pace of innovation and change that we're seeing? So first and foremost, I would say really a different lens through partnership and culture change. The second one is almost a subset of that, and that gets at some of the permitting efficiencies. Clearly, uh, being able to get in and get the work done as quickly as possible to prevent wildfire is essential, uh, but also responding after a wildfire to clear out dead and dying timber, uh, much of which still has merchantable value and can offset some of the costs uh, to take care of the forest, and working collaboratively, bringing new technologies to our poles, to our wires and to every way that electrical equipment interfaces with our natural habitats and surroundings. So we've heard a bit about the federal government, the, the Forest Service, of course, uh, what electric companies are doing. Uh, Chief Moore, you mentioned the forestry service as well. I, I imagine that's just a glimpse at the stakeholders who have a role to play in mitigation efforts. So from your vantage point, what's the importance of helping to make sure coordination is happening really across all the different stakeholders? You know, Brian, as we look at increasing our use of partners and collaborating and working with partners, we realize that we also need to make some changes internally to help foster that. So we're updating our internal policies and processes, particularly as they relate to grants and agreements and, and some of the other authorities to make it easier for other federal and state agencies, as well as tribes and our nonprofits to partner with us to get work done on the ground across all grant ownership boundaries. And this is really important because, as you know, when fires start, it does not respect your additional boundaries. And this is an all hands, all lands approach that we need to take on the landscape. It also includes consolidating and modernizing operations plans. While every stakeholder has priorities of their own, 
we all are aiming to protect critical infrastructure in the communities that depend on it. And I'd mentioned this at the onset, but Maria, you also serve as co-chair of EEI's Wildfire CEO Task Force, as well as the Electricity Subsector Coordinating Council, or ESCC's Wildfire Working Group. Can you tell us a little bit more about the ESCC and your recent involvement with them? The ESCC is a really quite a remarkable uh, coming together of the highest levels of the utility industry with the highest levels of the federal and other governments. It's very important that we're able to talk with one another to address clear and present threats to the electric system. I'd really give credit to Tom Kuhn, EEI's president, as well as Liz Sherwood-Randall and Caitlin Durkovich, both uh, working in the White House today. There's no question that being able to understand the different perspectives and the goals uh, and work collaboratively together allows for a stronger, more resilient, and safe electrical system. And I co-chair the Wildfire Task Force along with Randy Hardy from Northern California representing NCPA, as well as Dwayne Hiley from Tri-State based in Colorado, but across uh, other states in the West. And we've really worked well with Chief Moore, the U.S. Forest Service. We've met quite a bit of times, probably over a dozen times in the last year. The work that we've done um, has been a model for others as we continue to work collaboratively together to create a better future that is more safe and reliable for all of our constituents. So you had mentioned with your co-chairs there that this really is a whole of industry effort where we're also bringing in the municipally owned utilities and the electric cooperatives. When you're working through the ESCC, of course, here we're talking about the partnership with the U.S. Forest Service, but on the wildfire front, what has the ESCC working group really been prioritizing lately? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned our smaller rural electric cooperatives, our municipal cohorts as utilities, as well as public utility districts, because many of them are more rural in their nature, meaning that they are interfacing much more with the U.S. Forest Service, as well as Bureau of Land Management and state lands from each of our states. Therefore, this collaboration across all different types of the utility sector is particularly important. But it's the same sorts of things. It's the prevention and mitigation of wildfire risk. It's rapid response uh, and good coordination. And then it's also after the fact management and further risk mitigation. And so there's no question that many of the permitting reforms that Chief Moore has made, whether it be fast NEPA, completely compliant with all of the federal requirements uh, and, and respect for our environment, but able to respond at the speed of the threat of wildfire, as well as being able to combine permitting for more efficient use and time so that we can get at our landscape. As Chief Moore talked about, making sure that we are preventing and mitigating wildfire by taking the fuel that's dangerous out of the bush and our forests uh, so that we can move forward quickly and as speedily as possible. I would say that our work with Chief Moore is an example for other agencies, and we're hoping to repeat much of that uh, with what we're doing with BLM as well as other agencies. And a quick follow-up, when you mention things like uh, CEO working groups and task force, usually those end up being representative of, of the industry, but don't necessarily have a member from every organization involved. Um, with the work that you're all doing as are you focusing on lessons learned that you can share with all stakeholders? There's no question. And I would say 
Given the threat of wildfire and the devastation that can result from wildfires, this is very much led by CEOs and others at the top of each of our houses. And I would say bringing together the FAA, the online of sight uh, drones, uh, being able to work with Department of Energy, uh, the amount of additional investment in DOE labs for new technologies, as well as the wildfire risk mitigation consortium that actually even pulls on best practices from Australia, from South America. This is a U.S. issue and a, particularly a West U.S. issue, but it is also a global issue. And so we're learning from others as well. And Chief Moore, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but for folks who might not be as familiar with the 10-year strategy that you and your team have developed, can you tell us a little bit more about how that's helping to reduce the risk of these large fires? Yeah, Brian. So really, uh, one way of looking at this wildfire crisis strategy is to see it as a paradigm shift for us as an agency. You know, the old paradigm where we use limited funds and capacity and we scatter treatments all across the landscape to the best of our limited ability. You know, some have referred to that as random acts of restoration, but things have changed and there's a need to take urgent action at a much larger scale. This is not just about the Forest Service, because as I mentioned earlier, once ignited, wildfires know no boundaries. The crisis that we're facing in the nation now confronts all of us across all jurisdictions. So to be successful in confronting the wildfire crisis and restoring the nation's forests, we need the support and the close collaboration with our partners at all levels uh, of government, partners. We, we need it all across the board. So the strategy, what it really does, it, you know, it, it sets up a new paradigm to strategically uh, increase the pace and scale of our treatments in coordination with other land managers and partners. Now, in order to match the scale of the wildfire risk across the landscape, we must be thinking beyond just treating acres. You know, our work must focus on protecting people and things that are important to people and their lives, as well as their livelihoods. You know, things like critical infrastructure, including power lines, dams, municipal watersheds, those types of critical infrastructure needs. So we're going to be doing this work in the right places at the right time and at the right scale. And we're going to do this by using an all hands, all lands approach because we have to. And that means working differently. That means changing policies internally that would allow us to maximize and increase and leverage the funding that we do have. So in the electric power industry, there's always a key focus on workforce development and the safety of the workers who are out there in the field. I imagine it's much the same for the wildland firefighters. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the programs you have really to recruit and retain this workforce and uh, just knowing what, what the risk is like uh, and just knowing how essential this workforce is? Uh, I imagine the, the development of this has been a key priority. One of the things that we've recognized, and I think everyone recognizes, is that wildland firefighting is a critical, important job, and it takes a toll on our firefighters. It also takes a toll on their families. And at the end of the day, nothing is more important than our employees' health, safety, and well-being. And in many cases, this includes our mental health. You know, I have seen through my career in the Forest Service where things happen. You know, we've seen homes burn. That's a, you know, that's a person's entire life sometimes. And you can't replace a lot of the mementos that are lost. You, you know, you just can't replace some of the things that happens in a fire. We have also seen whole communities burn. We have also seen where lives are lost. 
And I've seen this too many times in my career in the Forest Service. So I'm doing everything I can to provide those necessary services. And so far, Congress has really been very helpful. Through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, the Forest Service has increased wildland firefighter pay. They have been looking at uh, adding capacity to the uh, wildland uh, workforce. And we're also working with federal partners to create a new occupational series, a firefighter series there. So we are trying to do some things to stand up programs to support their mental health as well as their well-being. And so I'm, uh, I'm really glad to, to be chief at this time uh, because as chief, I bring in my 40 years of experience and what I've seen in the organization to really try and make some changes in some of those really critical areas. And when it comes to this part of the organization, I feel like we can do much better and I feel like we must do much better. And I know how proud our industry is of our highly skilled workforce and just seeing the work that the crews are doing preventatively to protect their communities. And even as wild as the the hotshot folks who, as I understand it, and from, from what I've read, they're, they're highly trained, of course, but they're parachuting in sometimes behind the fires and in areas that are hard to access. I know certainly our industry is no stranger to to working in locations that are hard to access, but um, I, I think uh, your your crews are just up there with with being innovative and and highly skilled and really being able to access that terrain and do the work safety is is extraordinary. So it's great to hear that electric companies are working so closely, of course, with the Forest Service and other key government partners. Maria, what are your expectations for where we take this partnership next? Chief Moore so aptly articulated the devastation that can take place with wildfire and the clear and present threats that are faced by many states, uh, utilities, the Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, and many others. I think really, as he talked about all hands, all lands, it also takes a public-private partnership. And for us to be able to continue the culture change that we've made across our sectors and many other sectors that have been involved in the work that we've done, uh, we have terrific improvements in terms of processes and how we work together, as well as deploying new and very effective technologies uh, and putting real research to work very quickly to make a difference as we move forward. So I look forward to continuing to work uh, with Chief Moore, his extraordinary leadership and really setting an example of this partnership for other industries as well as for other parts of the federal and state governments. We have a lot of work to do, and there's no time like uh, today to get going and continue what we have started over the last number of years in making a real difference across the region. And as we look ahead to the summer months when we do see a lot of this wildfire activity, what are what sort of forecasting has your team been seeing Chief Moore, and, and do we have any sense of what we might be in for this year? Yeah, I, I think so. So so as of now, uh, our predicted services has given us an outlook, and that usually comes out in May that carries us through the summer months. And year to date, uh, we've seen below average number of fires, uh, but fire activity is starting to increase, you know, as expected this time of the year. So what's worth really noting here is that the record snowfall that we saw across most of the West uh, earlier this year. As a result, many Western states are showing below normal fire potential through June, though parts of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Nevada may see above normal potential as we move into the month of July. Now, this year is the plain states of Texas, 
Oklahoma, Nebraska, and parts of Colorado and New Mexico that are really forecasted to experience drought conditions in the summer, this summer. So look for that to, to potentially take place there. Uh, and then above normal fire potential really forecasted for the upper Midwest and the West Great Lake area starting in June. So, so that's the forecast as of now. And we know in terms of sources, lightning, of course, with summer storms is, is a big risk. But we also just know that human error and recklessness sometimes can, can sadly be a cause of some of the, these incidents. So, Chief Morrison, Smokey Bear wasn't able to join us today. <laughs> what are some things that people can be doing this summer? We want people to get outdoors, of course, and enjoy nature. But how can people do it in a way that's smart and in a way that helps to prevent wildfires? You know, it's not about a lot of rules. It's really about taking more of a common sense stance. You know, it's things like extinguishing your campfires fully. Uh, don't drag trailer chains behind your vehicle. Don't park your vehicle in tall, dry grass. You know, don't light uh, fireworks around structures and dry vegetation and never light fireworks on public lands. And then I'll just say also, I can't emphasize enough about the importance of paying attention to the local fire restrictions and, and really uh, adhering to them. And because Failure to do these things puts you and your communities at unnecessary and increased risk for wildfire. Well, Maria and Chief Moore, thank you both for the work that you and your teams are doing and for spending some time providing us up with an update today. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Chief Moore. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.